Thank you for downloading Fearless in Devotion, a podcast all about Wrexham AFC. Here they come, our mighty champions, raise your voices to the anthem, marching line, our mighty army, Wrexham is the name, Fearless in Devotion. Crocs and all, you're listening to Fearless in Devotion, the Rex May FC podcast, sponsored by the Fat Boar. First of all, uh, I'd like to apologise for pointing out that we could have gone top of the league today last week because it's uh, not been a brilliant week, uh, has it? But we did manage a proper smash and grab today. Andy, give us your immediate post-match thoughts from the South Coast. Is there any such thing as a bad win? Uh, because I will say that if there was such a thing as a bad win, we had it today. We were awful. We could not pass to each other. The pitch was bad. Yeah, okay, I'll I'll, I'll take that on board. But literally, we could not run into space. We could not pass to each other. We we missed a lot of golden edge chances as well. Um, I mean, just nothing seemed to go right. And we we actually won it through the softest corner. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but there's a video going around on Twitter. It literally just bounces and goes in. I've, it's it's probably the worst corner Jordan Davis has ever hit in his life. And it's gone straight in. I, I mean, the, their keeper was a, was all over the place for a lot of for a lot of the game, but I, I just cannot work out work out how that's gone in. And like at the end, I was looking at the people around me and say, I'm, I'm not even sure I really want to celebrate this. I will celebrate it because it's three points and we're fourth. Brilliant. Did it make exactly. you bounce like Tigger? No, no, no it made me stand. It was a shit goal. It made me just stand there, going, "How did that go in?" With my hands up, like some sort of stereotypical Italian. I looked at it. So, and it reminded me of that time. Was this the thing? Was I Josh Johnson, I think it might have been Silvio Span, when he took a corner, I think at Peterborough or something, and he just hit it from a corner and it went straight out of play. Just like shanked yeah. it. Well, yeah, I mean, he did shank it. He didn't hit it properly. It's bounced and it's gone in. Hyde's claiming it. Hyde went straight to... Hyde is absolutely sure he's got a touch on it because he went straight into the crowd, as in come and, come and like praise me. But then all the players went to Jordan Davis. So, I don't know. I mean... I've seen it a few times. A player whose name begin with J got the goal. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm, I'm frozen. I'm a bit demoralised because <laughs> once... No, no, I mean, just once again, it's like... We've got, that game was there for the taking because Dover are awful. And we spent the first five, 45 minutes playing them into form, making them think, oh, yeah, we could we could get a famous win here. We could do, we could do something against these boys. And then I thought, okay, well, Parkinson's going to get into them at half-time, isn't he? He's going to change this around. And if anything, we were worse in the second half than we were in the first half. We only changed when we brought Ponticelli on. We changed the formation. We had a bit more urgency because we were running out of time. And eventually we got the we got the breakthrough but until then I mean to be honest it's one of those one of those things where you just think well if we don't win this I'm not that bothered because it's like it's like a banter result it's just I'm Andy, still perplexed you got, your, you, got, you got your face you got your face in your hands mate you got three points it doesn't matter we're a step closer to January when apparently we're in the grapevine we've got a three or four quality mm-hmm. sign-ins lined up Tim are you able to confirm or deny any rumours Tim looks mm-hmm. like he wants to I can neither confirm or deny nothing. Uh, no, to be honest, I don't really know a great deal. I mean, somebody's mentioned that there are a couple of, I think the word was stellar, stellar um, signings to come. 
I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, like you said, I, I wouldn't disagree with what you said about replacing the entire midfield. Um, just because we just need, I said it. I said it earlier on the Twitter Spaces. We just need a bastard or two in there that gets us going forward and drives, looking at fucking ahead, not behind, not retrieve the ball and pass it back. You know, we need to be on the front foot, and we're just not getting enough of that with with what we've currently got in the middle. So, yeah. Tim, I mean, you know what I think we need? We need someone who the defence can look up and they can see a, uh, they can see a short ball to someone who is backs to goal, but he backs himself to turn around and move that ball forward, rather than our defence just getting it, seeing nothing on and booting it. Booting it to Mullin, who's five foot nothing, and, you know, and Hyde, who's not a target man. But well, they, we did that they, they, so many times. They bypass a midfield because it has to be bypassed because it's not there. So mm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think that we've got we've got decent players, but they're just not they're not clicking together, are they? In, in that Listen, midfield. we we we've talked this to death. Quickly before we move on to some emails, let's have three positives. One from each of you, Liam. You go first. Um. Well, you can tell Andy Gilpin's cranky this week, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> He's not feeling it all. Um, not covered in nicotine patches. <laughs> for for me though, there is no such thing as a bad win, just because you know. Look at the table. We're in we're in fourth. Okay, we're a couple of games in hand, but you know, I think there is something to be said for the fact that if we can get to January and get a few decent signings, you know, no one will remember at the end of the season if we're up there and go, oh yeah, but you've forgotten that points haul. There's a scrappy win against Dover. No one will care. Um, it's just about keeping touch at this stage and I'm at least glad that we're doing that. Tim, quick positive. Second clean sheet in three matches. Love that to the point. Uh, Andy, give us a positive. Come on, mate. I want to see, I want to see a smile on that face. Ha, Lennon, by far our best defender. Got booked again today. I think he's probably suspended, uh, but by far our best defender. And, and it, considering he's the guy who came in for free and the one we weren't really, weren't really bothered about, he's head and shoulders above Hayden and Tozer at the moment. On the note of formations, we've had an email from Dan Jones, who's got in touch to say, I quote, it seems as though everyone got carried away with the Bromley result and the sheer excitement of winning at home 2-0. It was forgotten they are 10 men for most of the game and have the extra man is a huge advantage. We were quickly reminded what it's like to have the boot on the other foot against Yeovil. Nevertheless, as an avid listener and season ticket holder, what seems to be a common talking point is Rexman's midfield. We routinely get run ragged in midfield and it seems too obvious as the reason, but we play with one fewer midfielder than nearly every other team. We play a fairly rigid 3-5-2, but that back line is just not working. To hear Parky call it 3-5-2 is comical. I'd love to see Wrexham sacrifice one of the centre-halves and play four in midfield just once. I haven't done my A, B or C licence, but like most, I got a few good results on Football Manager at 99. Anyway, gents, keep up the good work and up the town. Andy Gilpin, you can talk all day about this. We've already touched on it, so just briefly, is he right about the midfield issue? Is it just we haven't got enough in there? Um, there was no urgency in the play today until he did actually change his formation. He uh, put Ponticelli on, he also took Lennon off. Um, and then all of a sudden, we sort of sparked up a little bit. It could be because time was running out. But I do see merit in changing formation game for game. I mean, if you're at home and you're playing sometimes five at the back, it it, it doesn't really take the game to, to, to the opposition. Now, the key thing for me is the wing backs. If the wing backs are doing well, 
then the whole sort of the whole sort of team shifts forward a little bit and we look a bit more threatening. What I would say at the moment, I would say Reese Hall Johnson, as much as I do like the fella, he's struggling a little bit. He wasn't finding the space today. He wasn't bombing on. And I do think on the other side, Bryce Hosanna um, doesn't trust himself on the left side. He's more of a right-footed player. What I would be tempted to do is put Bryce on the right. I'll put Cam Green in as a natural left-sided player. And I would see if that really could sort of spark us a little bit more. So we did have more attacking sort of threat. Nicely put. <laughs> Hold on, what's that? My God, two emails this week. This one now from Gaz from Hollywell. I'd just like to start by thanking you all for rejuvenating my massive soft spot for Wrexham. I've started travelling for work, can't stand the radio, so I've had to find a couple of podcasts to start listening to. I had Fearless and Devotion recommended by a friend, started off just listening to a couple with players that I liked when watching, like Jay Harris, Sandy Morell and Lee Trundle, but after listening, got hooked and had to start from the beginning. Well, that's brilliant to hear, guys. Just what we wanted to hear. He goes on to say that he's unfortunately an Everton fan because of his dad, but has always classed Wrexham as his second team. And what is out for the results and uh, attempts to attend as many games as possible, uh, including the Boston game and the FA Trophy game over the years. But the real reason he says he's got in touch is because he's wondering if anyone or anywhere in Wrexham that displays old programmes. Quote, I've got a load from when my dad went as a kid, which are in really good condition. And there are some very memorable games among them. Obviously, I don't want anything for them, but would like them to go somewhere everyone can see and enjoy them rather than be sat in the bottom of my wardrobe. Thanks again for giving me back my love for football and reigniting my passion in Rex. I'm sorry for the long-winded email. Well, that's fine, Gaz. Don't mind long-winded emails praising us. Tim, did anyone come to mind? I think uh, Gaz sent you pictures of the programmes, didn't he? Yeah, he sent quite a lot of decent pictures through, most of the from the sort of 70s, really. Um, there's one with John Neal when we played Anderlecht, quite an iconic front cover. There's one against Chester. There's quite a few. Um, he's gone on to say during the recording of this that they've got something similar like that at Everton within the chapel attached to the ground, and he's not aware of anything at Wrexham like that. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing probably it might be something the uh, the football museum would be interested in, um, especially long-term-wise. So... I know there's a lot of collectors and, and they'd have them, but if you know, if, you, if his wish and will is for them to go on display, then I'm sure that's probably the best best place for it, um, unless anybody else can can tell us or point us in, a, in another direction. Just thought maybe a, a display in one of the pubs. I know a lot of the pubs are starting to really yeah. get behind Wrexham. I don't know, Hill Street, uh, Bank. Um, I wonder if it's, if it's worth sort of discovering if they would put like a sort of like a little cover display and it could be something that stays up for a little bit and then they can give them back to Gaz. I quite like the idea he said about, um, you know, maybe incorporate something into the new cop, have a nice walkway with a bit of history in it. That's quite a good idea. Well, if you think you've got the answer, why don't you let us know and we'll forward on your email to Gaz. So if you want the programmes, you think you can make a great display, get in touch, fearlessanddevotion at gmail.com and we will pass it on to Gaz, uh, who can liaise with you directly. Uh, but right, time for this week's guest. What a great chat Tim and I had with Andy Mangan on Friday night. Here he is. So join us on this week's podcast is a man that needs no introduction to most Wrexham fans of a certain age. Um, he scored plenty of goals in his, in his full season for us, ended up with top scorer with 16. 
He led the scoring charts for Forest Green Rovers beforehand. He was Dean Sorens' top transfer target and we landed him. So welcome to the podcast, Andy Mangan. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for coming on. Um, we're going to take you probably right back um, to how your move to Wrexham first came about. We know obviously you're at Forest Green. Um, you were on a sort of five month suspension for for the, the your part in the betting thing, which which has been done to death. It's been documented elsewhere. We don't need to go and kick the ass out of it. If people want to read about it, they can. But just take us to where you were then I imagine when you're kicking your heels about for that length of time and you're just keeping your fit keeping your fitness levels up and so forth imagine there's a load of things going through your mind do I stay here do I seek a move elsewhere what what, what was the sort of thought process so it had happened in the season before I'd played against Wrexham in Dean Saunders first game and I'd seen all the build up towards it, I'd seen how we wanted to get Wrexham back into the football league to bring, you know, seventeen thousand people back to the race course to get them to get them going, to get them booming. And uh, I remember watching all the build up to it and we we beat yeah, we beat just two one. Or three two maybe. Whatever the result was. Yeah, three two. Yeah, whatever the result was, I scored two and I'd spoke to Dino after the game and thought he'd be, you know. He'd be, he'd be someone you'd, you'd like to play for. He seemed like he really knew about the game, clearly a student of the game, and obviously a good coach because he came from the Premier League, the likes of Blackburn and Newcastle, so I thought, would that be interesting? And also, he was a Liverpool player, so that just stuck with me. Obviously, it gets to the end of the season, and I finished leading goal scorer for Forest Green, had a really good season, met some really great people, and luckily enough for me, I'd only signed a one-year contract. Gets to the end of the season... Um, unfortunately, I'd had a bet on my team to win. Um, and at that time, that wasn't uh, well known that you couldn't do that. Obviously, it is now, thanks to myself and a few others. So I'd had a bet on my team to win, gets a five-month ban. And in that ban, Dean Saunders had phoned me up and he always stayed in contact. He, he, he'd speak to my wife. Um, and when January came about, there was, you know, there was a couple of bids. There was a couple of bids from league clubs. Um, but... For me, I'd been away from me, from my family for 18 months at this point. And I'd just had, I'd just had my first son. I mean, Louis was born um, in 2009, six weeks after I got banned. So I'd spent an awful lot of time away from my wife um, and my son. And I really just wanted to get home. You know, I'm not going to name the other teams, but they weren't close to home. Um, Dean Saunders was there, massive club, really close to me, to me home in Liverpool. And I thought, perfect. Goes to meet Dean Saunders, we agree a fee, we agree a deal, and um, obviously I signed him in January. And then my first game was against, I remember walking in actually, and I'm saying, um, oh, I won't, I'm not going to take him off. But he was like, you put a bit of weight on. I said, I haven't trained for him. <laughs> trained for like eight months. Because obviously the ban, even though I got banned at the start of the season, I wasn't allowed to play from the previous season, so it was like a, it was like an eight-month ban. Um, signs there, he has a goal with me for being a little bit overweight, and uh, and pretty much I start I actually started to score straight away. You know, a couple of really good lads at the at the club. You know, Ashley Westwood made me feel really welcome. Um, trying to think who else, who else was at the club that we kept. I think we kept um, Frank Sinclair was there, still still good friends with Frank. So. We had, a, we had a really good side. Chris Maxwell used to stay out. He wasn't the number one at that point. So um, 
he became the number one later on. I used to stay out with him every afternoon, you know, working on me finishing. So I became really quite close with him. And I'd seen, you know, really quickly that they had a good nucleus of the squad and certainly ready to build for the next season. So I was really, really excited. Um, and then obviously the next season comes, signs, signed a few players, signed the likes of Dean Keats, who's obviously gone on to, to manage the club. We signed the likes of um, Andy Morell, who's gone on to manage the club. Neil Ashton, who spent years at the club. Jay Harris, Mark Crichton, you know, all these lads have, have done very, very well for Wrexham. And Marvin Andrews, Gareth Taylor was there, um, Pogba was there. So we had a really, really good side. And to be honest, we probably underachieved with that squad. Mm. We, we, you know, I know we got to the playoffs that year, but we, sh- we should have really, we should have really gone up. I think Crawley, at that point, had had a, a record uh, number of points, so we wasn't too far behind. We needed one or two more, but I absolutely loved to see that, that that year, that season. Still very, very fond, uh, still in my memory now, and, and great club. What what made that group of lads special was it just a certain dynamic because you had like you mentioned like a couple of the older players and more of the seasoned pros that you know Frank and, and Ashley and then the younger hungrier players in there Did, was that just the perfect mix like the, the perfect mix at the perfect time or was it just a bunch of lads that were driven and were all pulling together in the same direction the way Dino had put the squad together he, he mixed it brilliantly with a, with a with a really really good bit of experience and some really really young up-and-coming good players. You know, you had the likes of Neil Taylor, who I think left that season. You had Curtis Olbeng, who left and went to Swansea. Uh, Sisovich, Jay Harris, myself, um, Pogba. So you had you had re- a really good blend. And then obviously, you got a Taylor, you Marvin Andrews, Frank Sinclair's, Mark Crichton's, um, Chris Blackburn's, Dean Keats, Ashies. So you, you, you had a wonderful blend. And, and to be honest, Dino needs to take an awful lot of credit because... He, he coached the life out of that team. Right. Every single person knew exactly what they needed to do. And like I said, we probably underachieved a little bit, but um, playoffs, we probably should have done a little bit better. Unfortunately for, for Wrexham, as well as an awful lot of clubs who go down to the conference, it's actually statistically the, the, the most difficult league to get out of because, mm. as you well know, only one team goes up and one team out the playoffs. So it's it's... It's actually a really difficult league to get out of. Yeah, when when you've reeled off all those players now, it, it certainly just dawned on me how how good that team was, isn't it? Like so, like like you said, it's, it's no great surprise that a lot of those players went on to do even better on in their careers. Given that, talking about the players aspect, are you surprised that that Dean didn't kick on in terms of success when he went elsewhere, Wolves, Doncaster, and so on? It didn't really didn't really sort of happen for him, did it? Well, I've always been really close to Dean and um, he left Wrexham at a time where Wrexham were top of the league. Mm. Uh, he left. He went to Doncaster. Doncaster got relegated out of the championship. He got Doncaster going again. I don't know if you remember, but they were top of the league when he actually left. Doncaster go to Wolves. Yeah. And I'm, um, I was good mates with um, Sylvain Ivan Splake and I remember him telling me that when he went to Wolves, he said it was such a toxic atmosphere in the changing room. I remember the I remember the quote. He was like, "You could have stuck Jose Mourinho in there. It was a sinking ship." Mm-hmm. That's how toxic the changing room became at Wolves. Um, obviously, I wasn't there, so I don't know the reasons why. But he's obviously gone into a situation where I don't think he had much money to spend. Mm-hmm. I think maybe the transfer window was closed, or he, or he didn't sign anyone in the transfer window. 
And then it gets to the point where it's like a it's like snowball effect. If you don't stop it at a certain point, the longer the longer you allow that snowball to go, it's just going to absolutely smash into you. And I think it did that for Wolves. That's why they ended up in League One. So he was really unfortunate. And then obviously he's gone to Chesterfield when I think I think the, the month before he got the sack at Chesterfield, got manager of the month. So he's been, and also he's been really unfortunate for me. Great guy, um, lots of respect for him. Done really well for me. I learned an awful lot from him. Um, we used to speak about so many things. The fact that when he was at Derby County and he was the leading goal scorer in the Premier League or the First Division, uh, like it was back then, and then he went to Liverpool and he, and he noticed a massive difference. He was like, "There's no more space to run into." And he used to explain to me why. He'd said when he was at Derby County, everyone wants to beat them. So the so the the coming on, they play a really high line because they're trying to squeeze the spaces in front here. And he had loads of space to run in behind. He had a full half to, to run, and also he was scoring consolation goals where the other team were beating them like three 0 He'd get the three one, three two, and then when he went to Liverpool, and everyone plays on their eighteen yard box, and you've got ten men behind the ball, he, he found it really hard. And to, to, to have that type of education when I was 21, 22 on signed for Wrexham, it stood me in good stead for the rest of my career. Well, did you... I'm not comparing Wrexham and Liverpool right now, but in conference terms, was it a bit like that with Wrexham in terms of difference to Forest Green, maybe? Absolutely. And I think that's why he explained it to me the way he did. I was at Forest Green the previous year. Forest Green were getting beat every week, but I was scoring goals. I scored 30 goals that season. And I remember coming into the training ground the day I signed and he went... Mangi, I'm going to turn your 30 consolation goals into 20 winners. <laughs> and I, obviously, you're a kid, aren't you? And you're full of energy and you're full of arrogance. And I remember going on to me, to me and I think I said, well, you spoke to me there. Disrespectful. But obviously, <laughs> the, the, the longer and longer you're in the game, the more and more you understand he was so right. I'd scored 30 goals. No one, no one was bothered about them. Like, I'm bothered about them, but they weren't important goals because the goals that you want to be scoring are the goals when you're winning 2-1. When you're winning 1-0, who scored, Andy Mangan scored. And he taught me how to appreciate that, how to appreciate to be a really, really good team man. He really done really well for me, Dino. Really, I respect him an awful lot. And a, and a character as well, which we've heard on this podcast quite a lot. <laughs> was, he, was, he, was he a good motivator for the whole changing room? Um, what... He was he was great for me. I was I was lucky. I don't know I, I don't know whether any of the other lads have said I was I was as blue eyed. So it was I, a, it was a bit of hesitation there, man. I'm going to pick you up on that. <laughs> I, I, not, not everyone was uh, was as keen, were they? Yeah, well, no, no, they, they absolutely was. Everyone it was everyone respected them, respected his career, and respected how good the coach he was and the energy that he brought to the building. But he would definitely have his favourites um, who he would come for. I mean, the lads didn't know this, but he he would come for me in front of them and then later on pull me into the office and go like don't worry about that <laughs> <laughs> and the lads thought he was legitimately having a go at me but I always knew that he wasn't because he pulled me in and he go don't listen to them I just can't have a go with them reverse <laughs> psychology nice yeah and he'd be like just, just do whatever you want just go and score goals um, but no I, I used to I, I used to because obviously the training ground wasn't too far away from my house I used to stay behind an awful lot me and him used to have finishing sessions together We'd stay behind and talk about football. We'd talk about how to break formations down. Um, depending on if a team played 4-3-3, where the space would be, if someone played 4-4-2, how you um, playing between the lines. 
I learned an awful lot from Dean. Obviously, as I've gone on through my career, you, you add to that. But Dean, I was the first person when I was 21, 22, and I thought to myself, I'd love to be a coach. I'd love to be a manager. He, he was the one who really put that into my head. So, like I say, great fella. Um, I think everyone still speaks to Dino when they see him. He's a great man. He, he, is, he is a character. Unfortunately, he's not in the game, but I watch him on LFC TV all the time. So, he's still uh, he's still entertaining me. Yeah, I bet. You've, you, you spoke about those players you're in the squad. I'm always curious about Pogba. I'd love to know what he was like because he seemed a bit, not eccentric. It's it's, it's it's all too easy to sort of compare him to his brother and stuff. But I, I thought he was a right gas. He, he just seemed to be enjoying it like like he was playing it down the park. Like What what, what was he like? Pogs was sound. He was a good kid. Um, unfortunately, he just wasn't as good as his brother. <laughs> yeah. Did everybody let him know that? Was 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 that was that extra pressure on him, or did he try and try and not? Because obviously Paul used to come watch him, didn't he? He did, yeah. He did. He used to be at the training ground as well, and he and he and he was lovely as well. By the way, he was great. Yeah. Um, do you know what? Really good family. Actually, you can clearly see that on when you see them on television. Pog's done great for us. He was a uh, Gareth Evans, Gareth Taylor. Sorry, was sort of coming towards the end. Of his, of his career um, and he was the lad who played in the middle for us and we got Pogba late uh, sort of middle middle bit of the season and he was the one who played in the middle that was obviously we were 4-3-3 at the time as you know and we needed someone to get hold of the ball to stick the ball and to run in behind and Pog, Pogs gave us that that you know presence up front so that me and Andy Morell could either run in behind you know could, could definitely run off his flick-ons and you know me and Moza scored Scored a lot of goals that season, and even though Pogs didn't score a load of goals, he was involved in a lot of them. You know, we really appreciated the work off the ball. So he done great for Wrexham. You know, I think he went to Crew after that. I'm not sure where he's at now, but he was a good kid. Didn't speak much, much English, but um, he was a diamond again. Just like someone who, if I seen him now, I'd, I'd be able to speak to. Him. He was a really good kid. Great stuff. So. I think you got 22 goals in 65 appearances for Wrexham. Obviously, you finished that full season with 16 as top scorer. Is there any particular moments that you can have back to you? You know what? I enjoyed that game. Or you know, is, is, is there a specific, any sort of particular highlights from, from, from games in, in your time playing for Wrexham? Because you're young and hungry, you, you're actually at that point and every single game's a gift. You were... You actually remember all of them, you know, the Newport game where we won 1-0 yeah, yeah. at the race course. It was a packed stadium to the rafters and we won 1-0, obviously, you know, I scored, obviously, a screamer off the crossbar and in, so you're going to remember them games. Um, but even the games against Luton Town, when, um, when we beat them 1-0 at home, windy night, you need to win yeah. to get in the playoffs. Um, Freddie Murray makes the mistake, who's my friend now, he's a, he's a world-renowned physio, Um Top draw, looks after all the stars. He he made a mistake. He actually headed it in for me. And all I had to do was tap it in, which I always remind him of. <laughs> but we, there was a lot of good games that season because we had such a good side. The ones where you really remember are the ones where you prepared all week yeah. to expose a defender or, to, or the way the gaffer had planned the game to go. And let's say that move came about. And I know exactly how he felt now because obviously I'm a coach. And when you see something that you've prepared for all week and the, the players... Um, actually do it. It's brilliant. So um, there was a few that season. There was there was a, there was there was a couple. There was games where we come back from 
being beat. I think we were 1-0 down at Darlington at the race course. We ended up beating them 2-1. So there was there was, there was exciting moments. Um, even when Luton had beat us 3-0 in the home game at home and we went away and we went 1-0 up really quickly and then we got the penalty but it would have made it 3-2. And to watch a couple of my friends were playing for Luton at the time they couldn't pass it from, from they couldn't pass it five yards. They'd completely gone, and I've never seen that on a football pitch. I've never seen a, an, an absolute capitulation from an opposition team, and it was obviously on such a big stage. It was a sellout at Luton. Obviously, I've signed for Luton since. Luton's a really, really big club. Great, great set of fans. Wonderful place to play. Um, but to watch them absolutely go on a football pitch, I thought we've got a right chance here. Obviously, we missed the penalty. Um, it was Gaz that missed it, wasn't it? Yeah, was there any, it was. I'm sure you played though. Was there any reason why? He scored the first, didn't you? He scored first and then... I so scored the first, I got the penalty for the second mm. and then, you know, Gaz has, Gaz has taken really big penalties in big games. Gaz picked the ball up. You can't argue with someone on a football pitch. So, Gaz picks the ball up and unfortunately, obviously missed it. You know, I don't even think it was a bad penalty. I think the keeper at the time, um, though I actually played later on in my career, he made a great save. These things happen. If we score that, whether it's him, whether it's you, it's a different game, isn't it? It's a different mentality. You, you get back into that at three each. And I think we had Kreitzon who said we'd have battered them. Yeah. Listen, you, you you don't know. You can you can never say. And by the way, Gaz was Gaz was excellent that year. I learned an awful lot from 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 Gareth Taylor. You know about how he was he was he was an unbelievable professional, unbelievable professional. Looked after his body like you wouldn't believe. So. You try and take something from everyone. Listen, Gaz missed. It could have been me. Gaz had the balls to take the penalty on the day, which is massive, by the way. And then plays really well after that. Great fella, Gaz Taylor. Delighted that he's doing really well now with Manchester City women. So, um, again, all a lot of the players I played with at the time are all coaching now. So I learned an awful lot in an 18-month period. I've got, honestly, I've got wonderful, fond memories of Wrexham. You mentioned some of your favourite games. I, I can, I'm going to mention a favourite half of mine that involved you as well because um, we won't talk about the second half. But it was actually Crawley away that season. Do you remember it? I do remember it. You scored, I was going to say, it's applicable as well because good old Pogba gave you a lovely assist for the second. And yeah. i tell you why I remember, and I'm sorry for bringing this up, but uh, after your second, when you were walking up, you, you just, great finish, uh, like sort of with a tight angle. And you're walking past, you went past us uh, after we'd all gone nuts and uh, past the Crawley fans and you were going, F off Crawley, F off Crawley, giving them the two fingers. Sorry, mate, but I, it was, I absolutely loved it. I was like 15 going mental. He's like, well, what's yours then? God, what is he? Oh, 12 years ago, is he? Yeah, like that. Yeah, 11, I think. That makes me feel really old. <laughs> If you, if you remember, if you remember rightly, they had Matthew Tubbs playing for them. Yeah, yeah. And and they they at the time they had Steve Evans who was the manager who was a wind up merchant. Yeah. Um, and they it felt it felt as if they were trying to buy the league. Um, which you have to do. You have to invest to win the league. You know. But no, I got no. I got no time for clubs in the conference with money. I absolutely hate it. Always have. I don't. I don't think you should say that right now. Um, <laughs> But no, they, they was, that's what it felt like. It felt like they were trying to buy the league. And obviously, we've gone 2 0 up away at their place. And their fans obviously weren't used to getting beat. So I think one of them might have said something. And listen, maybe I did. Maybe, I'm not admitting that, by the way. Maybe I, did. <laughs> maybe I did say something back. But listen, it's all in the heat of the game. And um, 
all above board. Of course. Not, not, nothing untoward. And uh, <laughs> the second half is probably something that we shouldn't really speak about. Absolutely. No, it was it was it was a great first half and the second half was obviously gutting because that was it was such a good performance. And actually I should mention quickly a thank you to um Richard Williams, the uh evening leader Rexham reporter, because I was a whippersnapper and I'd stayed with my cousin in London and I was coming down on the train and uh, my card had been blocked for some reason and I was I, I was for that reason, I was late on the train, and by a pure coincidence, Richard's sister works worked with my dad. She's a teacher in Neath. Uh, oh, don't know why, um, but um, she, my dad, because I rang my dad like I haven't got any money to get a ticket to get in the get in the ground. And long story short, Rich bought one for me, and it was at the at the uh, turnstiles when I turned up. I missed your first goal, and as I got into the terrace. You were breaking free after Pogba put you down and you scored that second goal. I went absolutely mental. It was brilliant. Yeah, I do remember that goal. No, it was a, do you know what? It was a great ball by Pogba. It comes from a throw-in, I think, with Curtis Olbeng. And I think I bent me run. They played quite a high line at the time. I bent me run, yeah. I cut inside. And obviously, because I was quite fast um, when I was younger, I, I sort of bursted the way and I knew I had a little bit of time. And I just, I think I just you know, dragged it onto my left foot and slid it under the, the goalkeeper. So that was for 2-0. And I remember thinking at the time, we're rocking and rolling here. This yeah, could, this could be you. I feel like we were on a big run as well. So it was, it was, a, it was a big moment. It was a, obviously a big game. Unfortunately, they've gone on to win it, and I think they've cantered on from there, which just shows, I suppose, these moments can really turn a season sometimes, can't they? Well, if I'm right, and correct me if I'm wrong, please do. We played Crawley on the Saturday and Crawley on the Tuesday. Yeah, I think we did. Sounds about did. right. Yeah. Listen, my memory might be wrong there, but, but I'm sure we did. And we drew with them at the race course on the Tuesday night. And Sir Alex Ferguson was there. There you go. Why? I don't know why he was there. <laughs> maybe frozen, but I remember Sir Alex Ferguson was there at the time. All right. And um, I was gutted because you're desperate to score him from Sir Alex yeah, Ferguson, yeah. aren't you? And I, I remember not really having a great game and thinking to myself, oh, New Man United career over. I'm sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure he watched the YouTube highlights of Saturday's game before he went and made this fine. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, you know, but um, no, we were gutted. So that, that was just a draw there. And then and they did sort of take off from there, didn't they? And they obviously ended up at the league. And I think, who, who went up with them that season? It was, it was us and Luton in one. Was it, was, it was it Bristol Rovers? No, that was years later. I just checked, it was AFC Wimbledon. Oh, wow. FC Wimbledon, yeah. It was FC Wimbledon. Yeah, Kingsman. That was another great goal that season. Um, Pogba's uh, away was that that season? I think. Yeah, counter attack goal. And then Stacey Wimbledon, we beat them one 0 Yeah, and it was a late, late counter attack goal. You were involved, I remember. Superb. Well, before we go into your your departure from the race course ground, I suppose now seems like a good time as any to to pick your fearless moment, which is what we do on the pod. We ask all our guests a particular moment that stands out for them during their time at Wrexham, whether that's a goal, whether that's a game, whether it's signing, whether it's a story. Is there anything that, that, that you think you want? That's, that's the one that will stay with me. Most memorable moments um, at Wrexham. Probably signing for the club. I didn't... I didn't truly realise how how big of a club it was until I got there, and I was obviously I was on the race course pitch, 
Yeah. Yeah. I've got there, Dino was walking me around the pitch, walking me around the training ground, which was superb, Collier's Park. But that was the first proper training ground that, that, that I'd had. And it was it was really, really good. And, and any player will tell you, if you've got a really good training ground, you don't want to leave. You, ju- you just you just want to become better. That's your job. Get better. And with a top training ground like we had at that time, it was unbelievable. Um, and I remember thinking to myself that day, obviously seeing the ground, which is gorgeous, and um, going to the training ground, I remember thinking to myself, I can get better here. I can get better here, and these fans will get behind me. And they did. Yeah. You know what? There's quite a few, haven't there, Tim, who have said that for their fearless moment. Was it that uh, Durrell said it? We've had quite a few players say when they signed, it was huge. It, it's, I don't know whether it's it's becoming a theme that we get players and we're their first break and they go on to greater things and we're still stuck in the, in the National League, but uh, hopefully that'll change soon. Yeah, I'm sure it will change. It's, it's, that, it's that initial feeling that you get, isn't it, when you, when you, when you arrive somewhere and... I think that stays with you. So, the you know the energy that I felt when I first signed for the club was was brilliant. Um, I really feel what felt wanted. Um, you know, every, any fan that I'd met that I'd meet, they all, I felt like they put an awful lot of responsibility on me to shoot them out the league, which I loved. Um, and, I, and I loved my time at Wrexham. I, I really did. Um, I felt like I sort of became a man in football at Wrexham. I learned how to play the game. I learned what was, required, what was required to play at a higher level. And I met some really, really, you know, good people who I've stayed friends with, you know, forever. And I loved my time there. The, um, but the, like, just to answer your question, that, that, that would be it. You know, the, the day I signed and, and first walked onto the race course and first seen the training ground, it was fantastic. Was it, was it difficult Decision to leave because my understanding is I think Dean offered you a new deal, um, and you refused that. And it's just a case of, of is it time to move on? It was a better deal, obviously with Andy Pilly and, and Fleetwood. Obviously, about much more financial muscle than what Wrexham had at the time. So what? What? Unfortunately for Wrexham, one of my best friends was playing for Fleetwood, um, and I had a couple of really close close lads who, who, who were at Fleetwood at the time. Um, who phoned me towards the end of the season and said, could, could the chairman of, of Fleetwood Town speak to you? Um, and at that point, I was still going to sign for Wrexham. Dino had offered the contract. Um, I think we'd agreed terms. And when I spoke to Fleetwood, just like I got the feeling when I signed for Wrexham, I got the same feeling of Fleetwood. They had a really good squad, young, hungry players, who I knew personally and I knew how ambitious they all were and they all wanted to go to the leagues and once you feel that I was all in I was all in the, 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 the unfortunate thing was it happened to a club which obviously I was I was coming from but I actually really loved you know I've left clubs I've left clubs previously and since where you don't you don't carry that level of care for the club because either you've been treated poorly or whatever it is but with Wrexham, I was legitimately devastated to leave. Now, the phone call that I had, to, you know, Joey Jones, for example, Joey Jones is an absolute legend, gave me so much advice. Um, I had good friends at the club. Having to phone Dino, he was away at the time, and tell him that I weren't going to sign. Because you've got to do it. It's not an easy conversation. You've just got to do it. I was good at doing it, because I felt like I was telling my dad that I was leaving. <laughs> I really did. So, 
because he'd, he'd spent an awful lot of time, he'd ploughed an awful lot of time, and he, I, I, what Fleetwood got of me come from Dino and the hours that we'd spent on the training ground and the hours that we'd spent talking about football and how to improve and, and what I needed to do, what was required to go away and play, play elsewhere. He probably would have wanted it to be higher, but unfortunately it was in the same league as Wrexham at the time. Um, well, how did he take it? How did he take the news? Not great. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not great. And you remember, can you remember what his first words were back to you? <laughs> I, I'm not going to take him off, even though <laughs> I can take him off. Obviously, there was profanities in there, and then he abused me. And then he went, well, that's your decision, son. And then I told him the deal I was getting. And he said, uh, well, we, you know, we can't, ma- we, can't, we can't match that deal. So, you know, I, I hate fear to, fear to sign for us. And then maybe something happened and you go, well, you've missed out on that. So, um, he, he, listen, he gave me his blessing through gritted teeth, by the way. He gave me his blessing and, and that was that was the type of man he was. You know, that's probably why we're still friends now. Um, fast forward a couple of months, we're playing against Wrexham at the race course and he's wiped the floor with us. I was actually injured at the time. We'd just signed Jamie Vardy. It might have been his first game. And... He's, he's, he's wiped the floor. There's Lee Fowler ran the show. I think he probably got 120 passes, 140 passes in the game. He's, he's men against boys. <clears throat> and after the game, I've gone down, obviously, went to where the Gaffer's office was to see Joey and to see Al and Kitman and, you know, Garrett and uh, every, everyone, Brian Carey, Mal, and a couple of the lads. Um, I, was sat in the, I was sat in the stand. So I've gone down to see them and he's grabbed me and he's gone, uh, fucking hell, son. What have you done? What a bad decision that was. <laughs> and it's hard, it's hard to hear that because you think, you know, you know, Wrexham was flying, you know, the, the side that he built, he just signed Danny Wright and Jake Spate was playing, Mozzie was still playing, Jay Addis Keatsy in the middle of the park with another boy, I can't remember his name. You know, Ashley left back, Curtis Olveng hadn't left at that point. I think, I think Frank and Kreitz, I think they might have had another centre-half. Maxi and goal, and they did. He, 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 he wiped the floor with us. Um, obviously, from that, we um, we sort of clicked into gear, and we started to play really, really good football. Um, and the decision to leave was sort of justified in the end. But at that point, I remember thinking, oh, "What have I done? I haven't, I haven't made the right right call." Um, but I did. I did make the right call. Um, you got, 20, you, got, you, got, you got 20 goals that season. You got promoted, didn't you? I think. 20 odd goals uh, in that season. Obviously, Jamie Vardy got 30 odd goals. Uh, we had a couple of other boys got seven. Um, Richard Brody, Magno Vieira, who were all very good strikers at the level. We had the likes of Anthony Barry, midfield, Lee Fowler, who we obviously took from yourselves in the January. Um, Peter Cavana, Jamie Maguire, Danny Rose, Welsh boy, really, really, sorry, really, really good. Um, Sean Bailey right back. Steve McNulty, who's had numerous promotions. What a leader he is. Um, Nathan Pond, who's a, who's a legend of Fleetwood. Alan Goodall, Junior Brown. We had a top, top side with, with, with really, really good players. Obviously sprinkled with that magic dust, Jamie Vardy. So, um, unbelievable season. One of the most enjoyable seasons in my life. Um, unfortunately, obviously I had to leave Wrexham to go and sample that. But 
I'm sure even the most hardened Wrexham fan would agree that if you get promoted, you, you sort of decision will be uh, justified there. You got 103 points, we got 98. Would it have been the other way around if you'd have stayed? Oh, Maybe. Maybe. Well, yeah, it would have been, wouldn't it? Clearly, it would have been. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, he, you can always look back and say, this would have happened. Um, I legitimately believed the whole way through that season that it was going to be us and Wrexham go up. I think I gave numerous interviews saying, I hope Wrexham come up. I'd be delighted if Wrexham come up with us. That would have been the most perfect situation. You leave, you go to Fleetwood, you get promoted, Wrexham come up with you. That would have been that would have been perfect. But I think because obviously Wrexham has had such a settled side, obviously I'd left in in the in the summer. Lee Fowler left, which I think was a massive miss for us in the January. And I don't think he's ever fully recovered from Dino leaving neither, even though Moz had done great done wonderful and, and for you to take it to take rip the heart out of the team and then change the manager is just well it's, it's obviously going to be terrible for the club but Moz has done unbelievable keeping it going I don't think he changed much that first year he sort of just kept the weights the, the training regime and to get in the playoffs and then lose I was devastated because you, you obviously still got close friends at Wrexham you wanted them to go up and they didn't and it was difficult it was hell of a battle that season. Hell of a battle. Yeah, it was. Our mentality was we had to win every week because we knew Wrexham were going to win. And for us to get 100 and whatever points we got and yourselves get 98 points, whichever one of us went up deserved to go up because I've never been pushed that much in my life, in my career, knowing every single time that you get off that you get off that football pitch, we were looking, how Wrexham got on, how Wrexham got on. And if you, if you remember... It all changed. You got beat by Forest Green. Yeah, I was there. It was horrendous. Was it a Tuesday night or a Thursday night? It was a Tuesday night uh, in Forest Green and Dean Keats, poor dab, missed a penalty in the last minute. Yeah, and, and we went there on the Saturday and we were a point behind Wrexham when we went into the game and we, we, we won 2-0. Let's and not we dwell. On, let's not dwell on this. There's no. There's, there's no need. <laughs> no, but still, no, but listen. You know, it's etched in my mind. Um, people say adrenaline, like etches things in your mind. And I'll never forget that game. That was there was massive pressure on that game. It was towards the end of the window. Uh, Jamie Vardy was he leaving? Was he not leaving? Million pound came in from from a couple of clubs. Obviously, we wanted them to stay because we knew how important he was for us. If he leaves, difficult to. Difficult to replace someone like Jamie Vardy, but he stayed and we beat we beat Forest Green that day and we didn't come away from top of the league again. And and that's the difference, isn't it, actually, that season? Because obviously we lost a fairly key player in our right back at Sobang in the January because Swansea came in with like a hundred grand and Fleetwood mm. were able to say, No, you're not having Jamie Vardy for a lot more than that. And you know, if you can keep your settled sides, then that's probably what saw you guys through the last sort of five, ten games. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't, I think we changed, it was very, very settled. We, we, we sort of changed that, we played 4-3-3 that season, we changed the middleman for the striker. So it might have been Richard Brody at times, it might have been Gareth Seddon, or it might have been Magno Vieira. But everywhere else I could, I could name you now, with the team, the team was Scotty Davis in goal, five promotions, maybe six promotions now. 
towards the end. Well, he's not coming towards the end of the career. He's just coming towards the end of, of an injury. He's Tramier Overskeeper. He's been promoted from the conference to League Two to League One. I think he might have five promotions. Sean Bailey was the right back, attacking fullback. Really, really good. 1v1 defender. Struggled to get past him. He was quick and he was strong and he had great delivery when he got into the final third. I think he's got about two or three promotions. Steve McNulty, our captain at the time, he might have six promotions. Um, leader, our captain, unbelievable footballer. People always judge him by his size. You shouldn't. One of the best centre-halves I've played with and anyone who's played with him would say the same thing. Nathan Pond was the left-hand side centre-half. He was a defensive midfielder, moved to left-hand side centre-half. It was the best thing he ever done. Um, his athleticism came into the game. He could read the game really well. And they had a wonderful, he had a wonderful passing options, whether it be out to Alan Goodall, left-back, which was mainly our left-back for the season, or Junior Brown, both really, really good left-backs. Um, Alan Goodall played in the Championship, numerous promotions, and Junior Brown, again, I think he's off three or four or five promotions. Um, going to the middle of the park, we had Lee Fowler. He's been promoted. Peter Cavana had promotions under his belt. Jamie Maguire, the same. Uh, Anthony Barry, another one, who obviously signed for Wrexham and then signed for Fleetwood. Um, he had a number of promotions. And then up front, we had myself, Magno Vieira, Richard Brody and Gareth Seddon. I think Danny Rose would be sprinkled in there as well. So that was a good side. Mm. Was a good that was a good side. There was an awful lot of men in that team. There was an awful lot of promotions, experience. The mentality of us was, was, uh, was superb. We trained every single day the correct way done everything right, um, enjoyed ourselves when we could. Our team spirit was incredible, and that's what's seen us through. Well, you made your point there, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> At least we know, no. Well, um, multiple well, multiple we, promotions will get you promoted. That, yeah, that's we, we were 4-3-3 again, as well that season. I, I, I uh, going forward to, to this season, Wrexham are currently basically playing 3-5-2. Uh, I mean... <sighs> Obviously, you haven't you haven't seen us play this season, and um, you know we're, we're. I think the consensus is that we're lacking a bit of presence in midfield. Um, you know what, what what do you make of three five two? A lot of lot of lot of fans feel that four three three is a better option for us. It, well, it, it all depends on your wing backs. Listen now, now I can't, you know I'm so focused on Bristol Rovers. I haven't been able to watch as many games for Wrexham as I would have liked. I mean, I've said to Joey Jones, I'll definitely come down and see him because I'm absolutely delighted for him that they've given that honour. And I think, is it, is it chairman? Uh, honorary club president? Honorary president, I think, yeah. yeah. Honorary club president, which is which is the least that he deserves. So I'm absolutely delighted for Joey and I promised him that I'll come and see him. Um, so I will get to a game. But uh, listen, it all depends on your, on, on your players. Um, have you got flying wingbacks? I think they're, they're, cut, they're yes, uh, not uh, perhaps, you know, we had one, to be fair, one got injured first game of the season, which didn't help. Mm. He's back now um, and, you know, he, he, he's looking good, but maybe not quite consistent at the moment. Um, we've got a couple of really good left backs, but they're young, very young and quite inexperienced. When you're playing that formation, it can very quickly become five at the back if... Um... Now listen, I don't like. I haven't played. I obviously I haven't played against you. So I haven't prepared for you, and I haven't watched any of the games. But um, we play. We play three at the back at times, and the key is getting your wing backs really high, because if you're playing three five two, you, your wing backs are pushed right on against their full backs. They can pin them back, and then your midfield, one of your midfielders pushes on. So you've actually got uh, your two strikers, 
your two wing-backs really high and one midfielder, you're actually pressing with five and you're on the front foot. And if you can get your three centre-halves to the halfway line, well, then you've only got half a pitch to press in and you're, and you're, you're keeping the ball, you're getting the ball wide, you're crossing it in. Um, I, I obviously, I haven't seen I haven't seen Wrexham this year. Um, one thing I would say about the league is you have to be able to, to defend your box. So maybe that's the manager's uh, thoughts with that one because there's an awful lot of aerial balls coming into the box. You have to be able to head it out. You have to be able to pick up seconds. So obviously, you know, going off your, your, both your opinions, if you're saying you're a little bit light in midfield, you can't be. Because as your centre-halves head the ball, your midfielders have to win the seconds. No, oh, yeah, that's precisely where we go wrong. I think that's <laughs> uh, pretty obvious. It's not. It's not all bad though. We, we, we've turned. We, you know, we're, we're, we've turned the corner recently. I think, but I think we, we we need to strengthen in January. And all the talk is that we will be doing that. So I can imagine. Listen again. Uh, Rexham's a really, really um, good place to go and play your football. Um, not just now because of the new owners. Um, you know, because of the fans, because of the training ground, because of the ground, because of the, the the level of expectation that the fans put on you. For any good player who wants to do really well, that is, an, that is a wonderful thing. And you don't get it at many clubs. Some clubs who don't have the, the fan base that you have can't, can't give that. The fact that Wrexham expects to win every single week, that is, a, that is an amazing thing. So the pressure actually comes from the fans. Easy to manage the group when the pressure comes from the fans. Because all you've got to do is give them the tactical information. You don't have to get on them. All this Twitter now and Instagram and all the things that you do, social media, the fans will demand more from them. And that's a wonderful thing to have. True enough. Going back to, briefly before we do a few quick-fire questions and and talk about what you're up to in the present day, um, May 2013, I think Andy Morell gave an interview um, saying he couldn't tempt you back to Wrexham as, we, as, as, as the club couldn't afford him. Was that, was that conversation ever had or was that just words put into his mouth? No, that was definitely, me and Mars definitely had a conversation about me coming back. Yeah. I think I'd just left Fleetwood at the time and I was, listen, I was going around, I'd met, I'd met an awful lot of managers at the time. Now Mars is obviously one of my friends, so he, 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 that level of respect that you have, of course you're going to go and meet Mars and Obviously, I love my time at, at Wrexham. And you think to yourself, can I go and do for Wrexham what I've just done for Fleetwood? Um, so we did have that conversation yet. Yeah. Now, aside from Forest Green, obviously in the summer, it was a, a three-year contract. The plan was to take Forest Green up the leagues. Um, and, I mean, just look, you know, Forest Green have done, have done great. They've got, a, they've got a wonderful owner themselves. who's back the club. Got a France Bank, a new stadium on the way, new training ground. They do everything right. Very consistent in the in the behaviour and in the in the recruitment. Um, so it was the right decision at the time. Now listen, it didn't work out that way, but it was the, it was the correct decision for me and my family at the time to sign for Forest Green. You've always stood by your guns, haven't you, with regards to that? I think one thing's clear that I think throughout, apart from the obvious things that that we touched on, there's never really been any regrets for you in your career. You, you've you've gone where you felt you can improve and where you can make a difference. Is that fair to say? It is. Now, listen, I'm a Liverpool fan, right? So, I play for Liverpool for nothing. But I was never good enough to play for Liverpool. So, I decided uh, really early that I need to provide for my family. Yeah. So, fans can appreciate, the, the, the best fans 
we'll always appreciate your decisions that you, that you make. Um, now I had to provide for them. Um, I got a three-year contract at Forest Green. It is, it is what it is. And I decided to go that way. It's it's not a long career, is it? It, it always boggles. It, it blows my mind when people don't appreciate this. Like 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 they wouldn't go to another job if someone offered them twenty percent more. Do you know what I mean? It, it's it's mad. Listen, I mean, I'd be the same. I I I, I would be the same if if Mo Salah ends up at Barcelona, and I hope he doesn't because I think Liverpool are better than Barcelona right now. But if Mo Salah leaves there for more money, listen at that level. It's you. Of course, you feel you feel hard done by because he's he's already a multi-millionaire. But at the levels we play at, those extra couple of hundred quid or whatever it is, a couple of grand, whatever it might be, that means an awful lot to you. It means an awful lot to your family, to your kids, because you're trying to provide for them. We're not we're not lucky enough to be multi-millionaires where you can where you can decide what you're going to do. We're we're hand to mouth. We're just we're just normal people. So you you want to get better. You, you want to make sure that you sign for a club that's progressive. You want to make sure that your team that you're going into all want to get better. And then you go from there, you make your decision and you have to stand by that. Now, the decision that I made at that time was the right decision to sign for Forest Green. It was only later that you'd say, well, it didn't work out. Now, that's fine. It doesn't matter, but at least I've made the decision. Should I have signed for Wrexham? Well, I could have signed for Tramia, who were in League One. So that, that would have been... If at the time of Tramia were there, maybe I'd have scored loads more goals. You don't know. These are the decisions that we make. You can't, you can't dwell on them. Did it go to the way I hoped at Forest Green? Absolutely not. Let's do the quick fire round. Right. So, from uh, all your time at Wrexham, please could you tell us, first of all, who was the most skillful player you played with? Skillful player, excellent question. Most skillful player I played with, I'd say Sislovich. Really? Nice. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You could do. You could do. You could do step overs. You could go past shit. You could leave it in as the fastest player I've ever played. With, I've ever played with as well. But he had. He used to. Him and Kate Zobeng used to do all these tricks. And by the way, they're only tricks when you stood there because the best trick in the world is to put the ball in the net, which I used to tell. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he had a load of skills which he which he'd like to try and try and try and show off with right yeah you know what your our last guest Andy Thackeray said something very similar he coaches now and he says that, that he's got kids doing all these around the world and all this stuff and he goes when are you going to do that in a game what's the point <laughs> but there we go yeah, it's, great. it's great for Instagram though <laughs> it is it is that's all that matters these days right who was the most underrated the most underrated player Jay Harris really nice Jay Harris should have done better in his career miles better Um mm. Great lad, great professional. I'm surprised he didn't sign on again. I think he's probably missing this year. Mm. And yeah, he was the most underrated. Yeah. When you when you trained with him every day, you played with him every week, you didn't underestimate him. Yeah. But he was underestimated by everyone else. Yeah. We had him on the podcast and he um he was very impressive, very impressive guy and great player, great servant for us. Um who was the best leader? best leader at the club when I was there it's 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 weird with, with this one because because now I'm on the other side and obviously I'm 35 now looking back you, you Gareth Taylor's 
was he was such a good pro. Your Frank Sinclair's the way he looked after the body. Um, they were they were good leaders. They they were very good leaders. You know, I'd have to say yeah, I'd have to say one of them too. Yeah, and I, and I know obviously they're the experienced ones in the group. Uh, Marvin Andrews was tremendous. Mark Crichton was tremendous. You know, I'm talking about the experienced boys again, but they, they were good leaders, good solid solid citizens you could stand on. Um, and I think every single club should have them type of characters because they help with this with the younger players. We've got a few right now at Vista Rovers, really, really good professionals, top pros. You like Paul Coots, promoted with uh, Sheffield United from uh, from the Championship to the Premier League. Glenn Whelan's captain of his country, he's 92 caps for his country. So, yeah, I'd say the, the experience, boys. What about the worst dress sense? Chris Blackburn. <laughs> Worst haircut as well. Worst <laughs> haircut was all right. He was a good lad, Blackie. But he, he, wore, he wore stuff from charity shops. He didn't believe in buying things. He wore flip-flops. He didn't even wear his own underpants. Oh, what? Am I thinking he, he didn't have a mobile phone? Or am I thinking that was somebody else? He didn't, yeah, no, he didn't have a mobile phone. And he didn't take his, his girlfriend on holiday because he refused to, because he wanted to go on, um, what is it, where you go, like, like to Tibet and... And places, monasteries. Like he to go, like, like, yeah, he wants to go to all these places and just stay there, and not speak to anyone for six or seven years. Brilliant, love that. Well, fair play, each each to their own. Uh, who is uh, who is the tightest? The tightest. Yeah, with a bit of cash, a few of them. <laughs> oh, there's a few of them. It the wouldn't buy around for everybody. There was a few of them. Chris Maxwell was tight. Was he? <laughs> yeah, Chris Maxwell was tight. Um, probably still tight now. <laughs> trying to think who else was tight. There's a few tight ones in football, you know. Yeah. I'm the opposite. I get shelled that for, for giving it away. <laughs> but I would rather someone not think I was a minge bag. So I probably, probably do it the wrong way. They'd certainly do it the wrong way. And if we could meet in the middle, we'd be all right. I would, listen, I'm not going to like name Maxi Maxi. <laughs> Was bad only because I can remember that. Um, yeah, yeah, there was loads of them there, loads and loads of them wouldn't get the coffees and stuff like that. So, yeah, no one that sticks out really. Maxie will probably kick off at that one. <laughs> well, the, the tight tangerine. There you go. <laughs> He's doing well for himself now, isn't he? He's doing um, great. Hmm. You know what? On that note, I was going to ask you actually. I mean. Have you come across some of the players that we've got in our team at the moment, you know, over the last season or two? People like James Jones. Um, you know, do you know much about James Jones at all, midfielder? Did you get him from Lincoln? Yeah. Yeah. I know him a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Good player. Yeah. Really good player, actually. I don't Why think not doing great? <laughs> I don't think um I don't think we're quite getting the best of him at the moment. Uh right. We we haven't we we just haven't quite got our midfield balance right yet for whatever reason. Uh, here's a different question. Then you're in League Two at the moment. Uh, who should we be signing? We need a midfield general. We need we need a prime Dean Keats, a prime Darren Ferguson for us. Fifteen twenty years ago, who's the best midfielder in League Two? <laughs> Paul Coots and Glenn Whelan. Yeah. Oh, what? Uh, no, do you know what? We've got some good ones. We've got Sam Finley as well. We've we've, we've got some really good midfielders, but. It's difficult because obviously I haven't seen what you need. What what are you after? You're after someone who can control the I mean, are you a possession based side? Are you gonna keep the are you gonna keep the ball? What are the pitches like? For me in the conference, the pitches are all gonna go now. Mm. 
They're not. They're so, not as. They're not as bad as they were. They're definitely. There's some good. You know, when you when you think now, you've got Chesterfield, Stockport, Notts County. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of good pitches. What I would say is that we're we're at the moment we've got a small midfield, um, and quite an attacking midfield. We're, we're probably looking for that anchor. I think. Right. Okay. Um, well, you, listen. You're gonna you're gonna have to invest because mm. good midfielders don't come cheap, and normally good midfielders are playing. Yeah. Now that's gonna that's gonna be a that's gonna be a, a thing. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to overpay them because everyone knows Wrexham's got a few quid now. You don't want to overpay them so they come so they're coming for the money. You want young, hungry players who are coming to get better every single day. Who will, and I know you don't want to hear this. Who will see Wrexham as a springboard to get better? What you don't want, and this is this, I'm not telling obviously telling anyone else in the job. What you don't want is is an older one who's going to come for the money, who's only coming for the money. The rumour today is Jack Wilshire, so <laughs> which is which is a well, well, he doesn't need it, so I would definitely take Jack Wilshire. He'd be fantastic for you. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I think we are going to invest in January, aren't we, Tim? Tim, what what are your sources tell you on that? Uh, I, I've I've had a bit of information for you today, but I, I, I'm still trying to process parts of it. But I'm pretty certain that that the Wilshire thing is is a crock by all accounts. So I'm pretty sure that's not on the table. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's, we'll see, won't we? We'll see. There's targets that have been identified by, by Phil Parkinson and hopefully you'll get those early doors in January. But I know not much more at this stage, I'm afraid to say. But anyway, I'm going to deflect back off me and back to the man in question. Um, just take us to where you are now, because you obviously you're retired. You've gone into the coaching game. First team coach, Bristol Rovers, um, next to next to, to to Joey Barton as boss. How are you finding it? Are you enjoying it? Um, is is it everything you expected and more? Yeah, I I, I, I genuinely love it actually. Um, I mean, I've wanted to do it from from like I said from from when I very first signed for Exxon, You know, speaking to Dean all them years ago, I've wanted to do it from then. So it's a it's a it's a totally different game um, than playing. Uh, because it's easy me doing what I want to do. Totally different me having to coach someone and show them what we need to do uh, within the team. Um, so I'm first team coach. I retired at the age of 32. I was playing for Accrington whilst coaching the under 16s of Fleetwood. Um, the under 16s of Fleetwood would, would train three times a week. So Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and we'd have a game on Sunday. But because I was lucky enough to be playing, I would get in there a little bit earlier and I would take the 8s, 10s, the 14s because I needed to fast forward pretty quickly. So I needed to put the hours in coaching because I want, obviously I want to be the best coach I can be. So I knew straight away that that's just experience. It's experience, reviewing, reflecting and then getting better. So I would sometimes do 20 sessions in the week and maybe two games on a Sunday. Um, and that sort of fast forwarded me quite quick into um, obviously Joe asking me if I, if, you know, if I wanted to, to come with the first team, which accelerated my decision to retire. And I've obviously retired and I, and I haven't looked back. I, um, I absolutely love it. It's, it's everything I do for and more. Um, and I just want to get better at it. There must be some dressing room, you, you and him at the dressing room, I bet it's absolutely like proper getting those lads going, like. We've got a really, you know what, we've had, we've had a really good staff. We've been really, really lucky. We've had some unbelievable um, staff members, unbelievable players. You know, the, the lads that we had at Fleetwood, um, 
still friends with them now. The likes, you know, just to name a few: Louis Coyle, captain of Hull; um, Harry Souter, Australian international; um, that Chad Evans, Paddy Madden, both scored 19 goals each season for us. Um, you know, Cal Connolly, who's now at Blackpool. We had some really, really, really top players. Danny Andrew now got loads of assists, scores free kicks every week. Um, Barry Mackay, Charlie Mulgrew, Glenn Whelan, Paul Coote, Sam Finley. So we've I've, I've, honestly we've had really, really good players. Been lucky enough to coach them. We've had an unbelievable group at Fleetwood. And you know what? We've come to we've come to Bristol. We came in February. Obviously, they wasn't doing great, and we've had a massive turnaround of players. And again. I didn't think I'd be able to say this, but we've got an unbe- even even better group, even more tight-knit group. Um, we want to get better every day, bouncing to work, wanting to get better. And as a coach, um, you, that's all you can ask for. You give 100% every day. We explain to them 99% is, is as good as 100. You have to give 100% every single day in training, which they do. They're a superb group. We're very lucky to coach them. And hopefully, I think I said to you the last time I spoke to you, and the results will start getting better, which they have recently, and we just want to keep building. Can I ask you about, um, you know, your work ethics coming through? It's 8pm on a Friday night, and you're here, you're still at the training ground, and you're speaking with us as well, which we're very grateful for. Um, but we've had a few scouts on the podcast. We had Neil Ashton, we've had Jay Harris, um, we had Paul Rutherford. Um, are I forgetting someone, Tim? Probably, but uh, Probably. the comment- the problem, the common denominator is that they're all very chatty and very honest, but also very what there's there's obviously a work ethic that comes for it that comes from being in Liverpool. Is it is it, there's obviously something special about that place? Is that is that something that you've noticed when through your career? It is, yeah, it, it really is. Now that's not me being disrespectful to any other county um, or city, but Liverpool is a is a city where you, where you have to work. Um, it comes from your family. Um, Long hours. I've been very lucky to to do what I love um, most of my life. Now, for me, I would be I would be doing my family at the service that to not be very good at my job or to not want to be the best at my job. Listen, I'm sacrificing watching my kids grow up. Well, I best be bloody good at what I'm doing. Otherwise, what's the point in doing it? Does it make you seek out? Liverpool-based uh, footballers in that way. Is is there sometimes you go, I know this kid's going to work hard because he's from a background that I'm from, that kind of stuff. Do you know what? That's that's you know that's on that's on your recruitment. You know we've got a, we've got our, our recruitment guy, um, you know Eddie Jennings, who's great and, and understands you know an awful lot of that what goes into to finding a player. And it is mentality. Now listen, it's not just from Liverpool. You'd be you'd be daft to think it's from Liverpool. You know, no, of course. There's great, there's great Aberdeenian, Aberdonians. There's great uh, lads from Dublin. Uh, we've got unbelievable boys from London here. You know what you need to find out is very quickly, and it's massive with our recruitment is attitude. Hmm. Your attitude is everything, because without a good attitude, there's no point in in doing anything. So. One big thing we ask other players about the, the, the players who are about to sign, what's their attitude like? How competitive are they? Do they, do they laugh when they've been beaten a five-a-side? We try and find all these things out because having a top attitude with a, with a fellow who's competitive, who loves working hard, that's very, very difficult to get away from that. You know, you get 11 boys like that, then you're going to be flying. 
Can I ask you about um, about Paul Mullin? Because he, do you know much about him? He actually reminds me, and other people have said this, very much of you, I think, in his movement and the way he plays the game. He must be a good player then. <laughs> <laughs> he has his moments, he has his moments. No, yeah, I know Mullins, yeah. He's really good friends with, uh, with one of my friends, James Norwood. They lived together last year when he was playing for Cambridge, where he'd obviously gone on to be a record Mm. Um, he actually beat the record holder. He was living with James Norwood, who'd scored the most amount of goals the year before. And he went and beat Norwood's record. I didn't know that. Brilliant. Yeah, so I used to speak to him on FaceTime a little bit. Um, he's a really, really good kid, good goal scorer. And he, obviously he's done great for Wrexham. You know, speaking to Tim before, I think he scored 10 and 14. Mm. So that's something that, um, that he'll need to keep doing because, like I said to you before, Wrexham fans expect to win every week now, let's be honest with you. And that level of responsibility and that, that weight that he's got to carry on his shoulders, he's got to do it every single week because it's, it's no good just scoring the last game. You've, you've got to score the next game. Thanks again to Andy Mangan for his time. A really switched on bloke, future Wrexham manager, anyone? Five, ten years? You never know, you never know. You know, he's got the contacts. I, I'm not saying no. I just sort of think that maybe, maybe if we do actually get out of this league, we would be looking a bit higher than a first time manager. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see how he gets from Bristol Rovers first. He takes them up a couple of times. You never know. So, yeah, let's have a let's wait and see. Well, he uh, won't but, be reading Bristol Rovers to come to Wrexham if he takes us, if he takes them up. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's see. Uh, yeah, let's see how he gets on. Anyway, prediction time, Andy. Right, mixed bag. Uh, no one went for a Yeovil win, so all square there. Now, uh, Dover. I don't know what I was thinking, but I went for a draw. Tim went for a two-nil win to Dover. Is that right, Tim? No, have you? We, I, I don't feel like that's true. <laughs> okay, it could have been, could have been a a, a, a clerical I, I, error. I, I, I went for two two nils. I'm pretty sure I went two nil versus you. Yeah. Two nil yes, versus there's, there's been a clerical error. Um, Liam, mm. did you go for? Oh, I'm starting to question myself now. But Liam, did you go for a one nil win for Wrexham? I did. Yeah. Right. Guess what? That was Bob on. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <sighs> so unfortunately, uh, Reese. Tim and Liam were all right. I went for a, a draw. I have no idea why. And this puts me solidly behind now. So Tim's... Uh, you're the Dover. You're the Dover, the prediction league. Love it. No, I know. I was about to say that. You stole my joke. Thank you very much. So <laughs> Tim's the Chesterfield with 23. Reese is the Boreham Wood with 22. Liam is another team that's quite high, I can't remember, on 20. And I am the Dover on 13. So it looks like I am showing my ass in Bin's window. <laughs> it's, it's a long season, Andy, on the pitch and the prediction league. Too, too, too dour, too dour, mate. Come on. Can we have, can we have can we have anyone as well listening? Email us in if you could cheer Andy up. Feel us in the no, All right, all right, okay, all right. Let, let's put this to bed. Let's put this to bed. All right, we've talked about it. Grouch. No, 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 no. I'm a bit. It was a. It was a bad performance that doesn't fill me full of a lot of hope. But, but we are another game closer to January where we can make some signings, where we can sort out that midfield, where we can put the defence and the midfield together and we'll be in a better position and we're in fourth place. 
So if we can improve by 20%, we've got a chance. We've got a chance to be in, in the top three. Sound like Neil in the office. You're not performing how I want you to perform. It's a good performance. It's how I want me to perform. <laughs> right, just one game this week. We have Weymouth at home where there will be a very special unveiling of our new fanzine. We will be selling before the game and online beforehand. So please keep an eye out for that. We'll be hammering it over, over Twitter. A 56-page bumper edition for the same price. Some really good content. Probably our best one yet. Right, anyway... So, Weymouth, I'm going to go for a straight 2-0 win. Reese, you want to go next? Yeah, we'll beat Weymouth 3-1. Okay, Tim? Uh, we need a lovely fat result at home. I'm going to go 4-0 to the 2 Whoa! The whoa, whoa. Come on! <laughs> oh, Liam, can you top that? 8-0? No, I'll just go for 2-1 Wrexham. Okay. Hmm. Dowered Liam. Right. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Yeah, email us in anyway. If you could cheer Andy up, feel us in devotion at gmail.com or message the Twitter again, the Twitter account again. But thank you very much for downloading and we'll speak with you next week. Ta-ra. Bye.